Shall we begin? Let's begin now. This is Dan Hughes of San Antonio Silver Stars, and you are listening to Dishing and Swishing and enjoying every minute of it. Hi, everybody. It's David Siegel, and I'm pleased to welcome you to a second NCAA tournament roundtable on Dishing and Swishing. Last week, we... We went with the people that were in print, and we talked to those writers and got their take on the first two rounds. And we're going to head to the coaching circles and a little bit of uh, television analyst in there, too. And we've got a totally different panel for you this week that I'm really excited to convene. First, I want to welcome you know, a person that has coached for years and years and has been a general manager in the WNBA as well, and now is doing analyst work, and it's a pl- pleasure to welcome back to Dishon and Swishing Dan Hughes. Coach, how are you? I'm good, good. What, what a great time of year. Sure is. And then the second person on our panel is the assistant coach or associate head coach or whatever title you'd like to give her of the New York Liberty. She also is <laughs> working for ESPN, and it's a pleasure to welcome Katie Smith back. Coach, how are you? Great to be here. Uh, I'm doing great. And my final panelist, first time on a roundtable, but not a first time on Dishing and Swishing, a person who has been a head coach and an assistant coach throughout the NCAA basketball. And it is a pleasure to welcome back to Dishing and Swishing after a couple of year absence, Coach Jimmy Gray Miller. Coach, how are you? I'm doing great, David. Thanks for having me back. It's my pleasure and a great group, and I love to have you all here. Jimmy, let's, just, let's start with you. I want to talk about last week first. Anything in particular that jumped out at you as you were watching, you know, the NCAA tournament's first and second round games that, you know, really struck a chord to something that was particularly different or exciting or or just something that, you know, really epitomized what makes this time of year so much fun? Well, I I think if if that's what you want to talk about, what makes this time of year so fun, we've got to jump right to Quinnipiac. I got a chance to watch them in person. Um, I went out to Miami to the Coral Gables and got a chance to watch them play in person, and I, I knew that uh, it was, it was going to be tough for Miami. I think you and I ta- actually talked about that before the game even happened. What a great story for Quinnipiac. Well, we know that the state of Connecticut, is, you know, obviously rules basketball this, you know, in this NCAA tournament. It's, it's us in Oregon, you know, who would have thought that that would be two of the states that have two teams. You knew Texas and Cali would be good. But uh, we've got Oregon and Connecticut up there, too. Uh, Dan, you were up in stores. Uh, you saw firsthand the uh, the amazing first half in particular that Connecticut put on against Syracuse. Now, when you've certainly, as I mentioned, seen a lot of basketball. But, you know, from my perspective, that was one of the best executed halves of basketball that I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I I think you know that there have been teams, and, and specifically talking about Connecticut, maybe that that had more um, size or more whatever term you want to use talent. But I have not seen very many teams play together at the level that I'm seeing them play together, which is uh, you know they're 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 operating at a pretty high efficiency. You know and Katie, you know, you were in you were in another part of the country. You know, we'll, you know, right now I forget where you were. Where were you, Katie? 
Oh, another part was for sure. Starkville, Stark Vegas. Is where I was at. <laughs> yeah, that, that's a little that's a little different. We had 18 inches of snow up here. I, I don't think you had that down there. Uh, no, we had a, a bunch of fans. That's for sure. <laughs> it, it certainly seemed like what I could see on television. There was a lot of fun down there. That the games there were. were particularly well attended and really the fans were really into it as you mentioned you know for a team that's supposed to be uh founded on defense you know mississippi state goes out and drops near 100 in two games this weekend i mean that that was pretty amazing and it was and it had a different starting lineup on, on both games they went with pretty much like the second team um first time for some reasons um you know off court on some situation I had to handle but the second time it's just the second team had been beaten up on the first team and he really enjoyed their energy and honestly I think it, it gives the the whole team confidence they really kind of bonded together they played well had a lot of people stepping up um please don't get it twisted though their defense is solid they're long they're active um they're putting pressure on you. It's really hard to see and get what you want. And, and they can run with anybody. I and mean, they can run for 40 minutes. And uh, I think at halftime, you know, Coach Schaefer was like, we'll see if their legs are as good as ours because they just won't stop. So they're, they're something right now. They're, they're playing really well. Obviously, Vivian did play real well, but they've had a lot of other people stepping up, uh, which will obviously bode well for them as they go on. Well, let's start going forward then now that we looked briefly at last weekend then. We might as well start out there in the Oklahoma City Regional because games will tip off on Friday. They start in Oklahoma City and Lexington. So let's stay right there. And, Kenny, let's, let's now talk about the matchup that they have, as you were talking about Mississippi State. Now in comes Kelsey Plum in Washington, who only scored 108 points and 91 in their two games. So this is, this is truly an offense versus defense potential matchup. And, you know, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what Coach Schaefer can dial up to stop Plum. But how, how difficult is it when somebody get you get that one player that's that good? How difficult is it to stop her, or do you just try and contain everybody else too? Yeah, you, I mean, you try to limit the you know Plum, so that's who they're going against. So yes, you try to make her earn things, not give her wide open looks or uncontested jump shots, or try not to put her at the line. Just make her shoot over you and make tough shots. I would put somebody and keep somebody on her at all times and try to deny her the basketball and then make other people beat you. I think I think the depth of Mississippi State is better. I think their size is better. I think they defensively want to go out and guard and challenge. I think that's the you know who they are and that's who Coach Schaefer wants them to be. So I think it's going to be a big challenge for Washington. Yes, I think they can score, but I think Mississippi State can score and defend um, probably a little bit better. But you know, let's see what Plum can pull out of her hat. You know, Shimmy, still talking about Washington for a second. Now, I know you like to see the rebounding and you like to see the people that get inside and do the dirty work. So, you know, you've got Chantel Osahor, who is, you know, a record-setting post who brings a, a myriad of difficulties between her passing, her three-point shooting, and her size and trying to box out. Would you, what would you, would you design to try and keep her off the boards if you're at Mississippi State? Now, Mississippi State has a tall post, but she weighs probably, you know, about 65 pounds. Yeah, it's it's not so much of – this is what Mississippi State has um, designed to keep Osahor off the glass, is they've got their big post players. I mean, being in the, in the SEC this past year, I had the, the great displeasure 
of coaching against those kids from Mississippi State. And those girls are big. I mean, they're, they are um, just – they're taller than Osahar to start with, as well as, um, you know, strong. I mean, these are really big physical uh, post players down in the paint that Mississippi State has. So the thing, though, that to watch with the Mississippi State-Washington game is, yeah, we know what Plum's going to do and we know what Osahar's going to do, but – is, is Vivian's going to have um, another bad game. You know, she, she's really been struggling. She was struggling in the SEC tournament. She's been struggling a little bit for her, anyway, in the first two rounds. Um, can she get going? And then if, even if Mississippi State is able to, to neutralize Plum, they still have two really capable scorers and the freshman McDonald and then the transfer from Nebraska, Natalie Romeo. Um, I, I got to coach Natalie when I was at an assistant at the University of Nebraska, that kid, can, she can shoot. I mean, she's no Kelsey Plum, but she can put the ball in the bucket. No question about it. Now, Dan, I've got a question for you. You know, in, in your experiences, you obviously players go in and out of the lineup, and sometimes you have to sit somebody for whatever reason. You know, when you get a kid that's young, though, like Vivian's, who was a preseason All-American, who was, you know, a, a, still had a strong conference here and all, you suddenly get to the end of the year, and in the NCAA tournament, you tell her she's now coming off the bench. How do you? What do you say? How do you keep the right mentality in those types of players to keep them engaged, as opposed to just having somebody that's going to mope and not be happy with their position? Well, I think you appeal to a couple things. One, the relationship you have with them. Uh, if you have a deep enough relationship with them, they may not agree with you, but they're going to try to make it work. And I got a feeling Vic has that, to be honest with you. The second thing is if they're leaders, uh, they're going to go through a process, and then, you know, if they're truly a leader, they're going to probably take some sort of action that reflects that, that leadership. But that's not an easy situation. That's not an easy situation for a coach. It's not an easy situation for a player. But sometimes, you know, they're necessary. And uh, that's that's where the wisdom comes in, you know, that, that of the player and then of, of the coach. And if you're talking about somebody who truly wants to make it work, they'll they'll end up finding that path. Yeah, I mean, honestly, with the with what was going on, I thought DePaul was going to have a legit shot to knocking them off with the amount of points that they could score. But the way that Mississippi State held them to 71 points and just took, you know, ran them off the court, it was pretty impressive, I have to admit. So let's talk about the other side. And, and Brittany Griner against Shoney Schimmel, uh in uh, Baylor against Louisville. Uh, well, okay, so I'm off a couple of years, but I'm sure that they're going to be asked a hell of a lot of questions uh, about the about that game, and Kim and Jeff are both going to have different angles on how they're going to approach that. But again, you do have the size of Baylor, and you've got the irritating guard and forward play of Louisville on the other side. And I'm looking forward to seeing this one. Uh, you know, Katie, Kalani Brown and Baylor are so strong inside, but it seems to me that Alexis Jones really is the key to what what makes that team go. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I'm a guard, so I'm a little biased. You know, the ball, it's in the guard's hands a lot. So the decision-making and kind of the, your post player is at the um, mercy of the guards to a lot of points. And sometimes guards, we forget about the bigs and don't allow them to have as many touches as they need to then create things for, for us. And I think that's where Alexis Jones, just her playmaking ability, obviously she can score it. 
Uh, but she can break down the defense, create for the big. She can also create for her other shooters on the floor. But I think she's just a, a huge part of, of what they do. But just a, a great basketball player and can kind of take on any role at that, you know, for her team. And, um, you know, that's a piece right now. I know they've had some disappointments over the last few years and haven't made it as far as they would like. And this year with the Final Four in Dallas, it's, I'm sure, in the back of their heads or maybe in the front of their minds. Um, you know, the motivation and maybe desire and maybe the loss in the Big 12 tournament helped them. Now, Dan, being down there, I know you've seen Baylor. Uh, you know, what is it about, you know, you know little, small Kim and these huge posts that she gets? And, and she really, they really are good at getting the ball to them through high-low and even some, they're not as great as I'd like to see on the entry press from the wings, but they do a good job of getting the ball inside to their posts. You know, how difficult is it to teach kids to do that? Well, I, th- I think it's it's an art. And, but, but you know, if you, if you look at Kim and you study her background at, at Law Tech playing for Leon Barmore, who I think is one of the absolute best coaches, period, you know, I guarantee you uh, Leon was a great teacher. The other thing is that, that Kim played with a, a player named Janet Lawrence Braxton, who was my assistant in Cleveland for four years, and I am quite sure that Kim spent a lot of time getting Janice the ball, too, and and I, I, I think the Baylor staff probably does a great job, and I think it's ingrained, you know, probably from the background all the way back to Leon, because I think Leon, and especially the time that Kim was playing, the 80s and that period of time, um, I am quite sure that she understands inside-outside basketball, and I think her teams, and especially with the depth they've got this year and the depth inside that they've got, that's an art they work at a lot. Well, you know, Shimmy, one of the things that definitely could be an interesting thing in this game is how the refs are going to call the physicality that both of these teams mm-hmm. could play. And, you know, and one of the things that I always joke about is one of the toughest jobs in the world is to be a, a referee in a game that Tim Mulkey and Jeff Walls are coaching. Uh, because you're not going to be able to hear yourself for them talking to you after every play. Uh, how important is that going to be to be able to keep both of these teams on the court, keep the players out of foul trouble when you get into a situation like this? If the refs let them play and, um, and they allow them to be physical, I think the advantage definitely goes to Baylor uh, with Baylor's bigs, with Brown and Cox and uh, even Beatrice coming off the bench. But uh, – just based on what I've seen in watching the games, there's been um, – that Russ hasn't really been allowing much in terms of physicality. I feel like, uh, if anything, it's been quite the opposite. I don't feel like Russ has been really allowing anyone to get away with anything in these first and second rounds. And so if that's the case, um, you know, with those guards. I mean, I love more. I love Ace Durr. You know, those kids are scorers, and those kids also, you know, they can they can take you off the balance and get in the paint. So I think either way, it's just going to be a great game to watch. Um, I like Baylor um, I, over over Louisville, but just watching Jeff and Kim alone, I think is going to be is going to be worthwhile. <laughs> uh, Katie, we'll talk to you since you're the you're the guard uh, on the group. So so let's talk for a second about about those guards from Louisville real quick. Uh, you know, during the preseason when we had a college thing at ESPN, I asked uh, Jeff who was going to step up between Heinz Allen and Moore, and he said, Durr. Uh, so 
I think we're really seeing how hurt she was last year and how good she really is. Oh, I agree. Last year she just was battling so much. I mean, she just didn't wasn't herself. And you see her even the other day. She slow for a while, slow for a while, and then just explodes. You know, she has that ability. And you know, Hines Hort. I mean, she's strong body, mobile. But I tell you what, Durden is the one that really kind of gives them that oomph um, that they need. Um, and, and and if it doesn't come right away, you're always worried that it is coming because it, it can come and it can come in bunches. And having that in your back pocket and then having her healthy, it's huge for Louisville. You know, and the other thing that I just wanted to mention about that, then, you know, you, you, every year I start the preseason and I say that Jeff's team is going to be a top-ten team. And then something happens in the middle of the year, and they drop down, and you say, well, maybe I was wrong. And then every year they're in the Elite Eight or Sweet 16. And you say, oh, I was right in the first place. So uh, Louisville was always interesting, and I think that all of these matchups in the Oklahoma City region, are both both of them are going to be a lot of fun on uh, Friday night. So let's go across to Lexington. And, of course, the first thing we got to talk about is that knee. And uh, Notre Dame losing Brianna Turner, uh, you know, but – you know, I'm wondering how much of a loss it's for this game, at least, it's really going to be if Ohio State does not have Stephanie Mavunga on the court, which is, you know, very much up in the air. Uh, you know, it, it's one of those things. Shimmy, talk for a second about when you're trying to replace a post that goes down like that. You know, Notre Dame certainly has an abundance of talent and an abundance of players that can score. But there's a lot of those other things that, it, you know, having a post like Turner brings to the table that – you know, is going to be missed. Yeah, it's it's not even as much as the fact that you're losing a player. It's the player that you're losing. I mean, she she's their their heart. She's her toughness and everything that she has battled through in the past with the shoulders and all that. And then to come back, she's having a great year. And to see her go down like that, I mean, you literally saw the air um, just come out of the building when she went down. Like, the, the team, they just didn't look the same at all. They didn't finish that game well at all. And so you would think now with, with a week to, to prepare without her and knowing she's not coming back and she's not going to be in there. But I really don't know if Notre Dame is going to have enough um, inside. Um, like you said, not, not so much – might not be a factor as much against Ohio State, but moving on, I, I don't know how far they're going to go without her. You know, Dan, Notre Dame loses a Chenwa to an ACL a couple of years ago in the tournament. They lose Turner to it this time. You know, Coach McGraw has got to feel a little bit snake bit at this point about her post-knee injuries. Uh, but, you know, if anybody can just grab that team and just say, I don't care, move on, this is what we do here, it's Coach McGraw. Oh, all true. Uh, I, I just feel the injury part, as glorious as this tournament has, has been, and I've really enjoyed it. And I, I feel bad that injuries are playing a part. Um, and maybe it's just my recent history the last couple of years with my teams, but I just feel bad about that. Uh, but that said, your point is well taken. Uh, she has such a system. If you've ever watched her practice, it is amazing to watch the efficiency. And they're going to miss Turner. Uh, my wife's favorite player in America is Turner. She's still in a little bit of a funk. Uh, but th- the reality is that, that don't miss her. But don't – they've got a system, and they've got a culture. 
and they'll they'll go play. They'll go play, and I would not count them out. I just feel bad. Uh, you know, Turner's a, a Texas girl too, and I, I just feel bad she's not going to be a part of it. But I and I think it levels the field a little bit. But don't count out Notre Dame. They have a totality of purpose, and it, it, it'll show. Is my guess. I think you're probably right. So let's talk to the Ohio State alum about this opportunity, shall we say, that has presented itself now where you thought without Mavunga in particular that Ohio State could be in some real trouble against Notre Dame. So that's kind of neutralized. So now it turns into the guards. And, well, Katie, you like to talk about your guards. So you got Kelsey Mitchell and Lindsey Allen, two of the best point guards in America. So tell me what each has to do in this game for their team to win. Uh, they, honestly, they're two completely different guards. You know, Allen is the point, point guard who sets up her team and, and really looks to score only when, you know, she has either a need or there's an opening. Um, she'll get her players involved. She'll hit the right, you know, the open man. She's got shooters. She's got other bigs um, that will be in there. So she'll run her team, and she'll also maybe get the assignment of guarding Mitchell. You know, she'll be the person to kind of set the tone. Um, on the defensive end too, so she's one of those that's just going to do anything that's asked of her to to kind of will her team to uh, to a victory. And on the other side, you got Mitchell, who's, I mean, she's going to put them up. She's looking to score. I mean, she's looking to score at every moment, anytime it touches her hand. Um, you know, and it's for her, it's about hitting shots and also finding your teammates. And when they move the ball, you know, they're a much more dangerous team uh, for me. But I always say this, Ohio State can beat anybody, but they can lose with anybody because they're not real disciplined on the defensive end, um, even though with Lene Harper and I think Asia Doss, they really dug in at, when they played Kentucky. But um, I think Notre Dame has a shot. Um, I think it's going to be a good game because I just Ohio State scares me <laughs> when it comes to uh, really putting teams away. But you better be able to score with them, and that's, that's the one thing that you have to do with Ohio State is be able to put points on the board. You know, Shannon, Katie hit the words that I was going to say right on right now, putting teams away, because Ohio mm-hmm. State had one of the best first quarters of the tournament against Kentucky and then almost lost the game despite having such a, a huge lead early on. You know, you, 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 you watch them, and as a coach who likes defense, you got to want to pull your hair out sometimes <laughs> with the way that they – let other teams play, and also as a coach, if you like to have some ball movement, it does seem to be an awful lot of one-on-one sometimes with them, not just with Mitchell. And Mm -hmm. they are a team that can shoot themselves in and out of a championship game, I would think. You know, you look at them, and what do they have to do, you think, as a team to beat Notre Dame this week? Well, I'll score them. I mean, it's Katie said it, that you have to be able to put points on the board, and I'm just not sure that Notre Dame is going to be able to outscore Ohio State. Um, but I'm pretty confident that Ohio State can outscore Notre Dame. And I'm a Michigan alum, so it pains me to say that. But I, I don't know if Notre Dame is going to be able to, to outscore Ohio State. That, I think that, that could be one of, the, one of the closest or one of the biggest blowout games this weekend, depending on how it happens. Uh, what happens there? And I think you were right, Katie. I think you brought. I think Lene Harper is going to be huge in this game because she's going to have to match up with either you know either Young or uh, Gumbawale or whoever's going to be mm-hmm. hot for Notre Dame. 
So I think that's going to be a really key matchup. Then the other one in Lexington, to duck over there real quick, you know, it's old school, Texas and Stanford. You know, it's great to see both of these programs, again, hitting this, going this far into it. And uh, it's good for Texas, I know. Uh, Dan, Texas is just feeling really happy that they don't have Connecticut on their side of the bracket for a change. Yeah, they got a, a little different view of it. And, and I'll tell you, there's, I had Texas and Baylor. Uh, when Texas beat them, I did the broadcast at Baylor, and they played to a level that I have not seen Texas at for years. And so there's potential for Texas. And Texas has had a little bit of a roller coaster here. But there's also, I, I sense, a little momentum, and there is an up to the upside of Texas. And they certainly, you know, Atkins has been playing great. McCarty has had a year that was phenomenal, but you know, Shimmy, I I love Joiner Holmes, and this, mm-hmm. we're going to start talking about freshmen here before we head over to Bridgeport and talk about that group over there too, a freshman. Uh, but Holmes is just such a talented player, and it's just so much fun to watch. She she doesn't play like a freshman at all. Uh, I mean, she's she's just a beast and. She's a big kid who plays hard and confident, and uh, I absolutely love to watch her play. It, it, this is actually the game that I'm probably looking the most forward to. I don't feel like Texas played very well um, when they played Stanford earlier in, in the year um, uh, down there in California. So this, uh, this will be fun to me to see what adjustments uh, Karen and her staff that they're able to come up with um, for this rematch. You know, and Stanford, Katie, you look at Stanford, and it's just they, there's no Aguamakes this year. There's none of the big names. But, you know, you've got McPhee, you've got Smith, you've got Samuelson shooting from outside. And Stanford just goes about their business. And even though they got moved out of the, uh, the West Coast, which they probably shouldn't have, they probably should have ended up in Stockton as the, second, as the number two seed there, uh, here they are. They just keep, you know, Tarek just keeps rolling. Yeah, I mean, she's, you know, you look at their team and you're like, well, how's she doing this? And, um, you know, last year they were a little younger. This year these kids had another year under their belt. But, you know, they're, that's another coach who, who gets it done. You know, the discipline, the attention to details, you know, the execution, um, you know, playing together. And, you know, having offensive threats throughout on the floor always helps. Being able to space the floor, having three-point shooters, you know, McCall is, is, does a lot of the dirty work, cleaning up things, will bang and runs hard. So they just they know who they are. They always stay kind of within it. They they work for each other and they again being able to stretch the floor, being able to have people on the floor that can score it um, is always a positive. I was nervous that first game when they were down in, <laughs> in the first round, but then they put it together against Kansas State. So they definitely showed something there for me. You know, they have definitely proven, all of these teams from out west have proven that last year was not a fluke, that the Pac-12 really is, you know, most I would say the best conference in the country. That's, you know, it wasn't that long ago where, you know, we were making jokes about, oh, they play basketball west of the Mississippi. Uh, But they've done an incredible job, and it's great to see uh, the diversification of teams that we have, even if if it is Stanford again still being up there. So uh, let's move across the country uh, a little bit. We'll go uh, from Stanford, who is a West Coast team, over to Bridgeport, where 
I'm really kind of amazed with all you know. We beat, everybody's beaten up the committee, but let me throw out there that we've got two teams from California that are going across country to play. It, well, from the West Coast, one Oregon, one from California, uh, coming across the country and tipping off at 11:30 in the morning after flying across the country, and that just you know that, that kind of sucks. Yeah, it really is a poor schedule that they have to put up with. But, you know, I, I'd say, uh, Dan, I don't think Kelly Graves in Oregon really cares who they play, where they play, or when they play right now because they are the team that just – they and Quinnipiac seem to be having the times of their lives. <laughs> yeah, no, I I think whatever time the game is, he, he he's going to be ready and he's going to be excited. And watching the evolution even from the, the pack tournament with Oregon, they're they're on the uptick, and he's he's just beginning to where this program's going to go. You're just starting to see Oregon at this level, and they're going to stay there for a while. When you look at the recruiting he's doing, and and uh, they got the momentum going with them. Now they're playing a team that I think is really good. So <laughs> they've got they've got a huge challenge ahead of them in Maryland because to me Maryland is really really one of the best teams in the tournament. Well, as we talk about the committee and what they did to people, you know, one thing that I kind of have almost a little bit of a concern about with Maryland this week, and I could be totally wrong here, but, you know, Katie, I've heard so much from Maryland about we shouldn't have been a three, we shouldn't be here, now I'm hearing there were not enough tickets for our fans. It, It seems like they're spending a little too much time, at least outwardly, talking about all the other things and not worrying about the task in, the task in hand, and that's going to be Oregon. But, you know, you, the, the players on this team with Walker Kimbrough and Jones, and then you get, again, talking about the freshmen with Slocum in particular and Charles, you know, Maryland is one of the teams to beat in this tournament and maybe the one that can – maybe the best team to, to possibly stop Connecticut. Well, I agree. I, I, I think they have the – the veteran leadership with um, Walker Kimbrough and Jones and I think Slocum just looks like she's been doing it forever and it doesn't get real rattled and just has a great poise out there for her age I think it feels like she's been there before but I think the the noise you know that Brenda puts out I think it's a little bit about against, us against the world and it's that motivation you know the disrespect of the seed and this this and this it just fires you it fires you up like it, it helps build that momentum and go out there and play with that chip. So I think she's she's working it and she's using it to their advantage. But I think they're also another team that can, they can put points on the board. They can defend, um, but they're one of those teams you're going to have to outscore also because they're so efficient, have shooters all over, you know, Jones in the inside is as efficient as they come. So um, I think they have as good a chance as anybody if they can, you know, get at them again as to give UConn a run. But I'm impressed by them. I think they're, you know, just a really solid team. So, Shimmy, we've got two freshman point guards here. Destiny Slocum, who I thought was the – I voted in the WBCA as she is the sec, as my second choice for freshman of the year, and my first choice, Sabrina Unescu from Oregon, who I think is phenomenal and a blast to watch. What do you think about two freshman point guards this far in the tournament running their teams – does anybody blink, or are these guys just too good? Ah, oh, they're they're too good, David. These kids are 
I mean, we've had a chance to watch these kids for years on the recruiting circuit. And when they were both highly sought after in fact, I'm just excited to watch them finally go head-to-head because I don't know if you know this or not, but Slocum actually originally committed to Washington. Um, so these are two kids who were supposed to be, um, you know, Pac-12 rivals and doing this in the Pac-12 a couple times a year, and now we finally get to see them do it in the NCAA tournament, go against each other. But the, these kids are, are kind of what we were talking about with joining their homes. These kids are not freshmen. Like, they're not freshmen. They're on a whole other level. And I, I like Slocum's uh, advantage in, in this game because she's got a, a better supporting cast, uh, in my opinion. Um, so the, she doesn't have to uh, be the woman in this game. She's just got to make sure that she gets the ball to Jones and to Walker Kimbrough and let them do their thing. Um, but this is going to be a really fun matchup. Um, exciting for Oregon and for Kelly Graves. He's a great coach, and those guys work so hard on the recruiting trail to build this program up the way. I think Dan hit it on the head when he talked about momentum, that they've got momentum right now. But um, I just I just think Maryland's too good. You know, we're gonna have, Dan, we're going to have five freshmen starting in that game. I don't think I've ever seen something like that in the Sweet 16. No, but – you know, there's, it's a brave new world <laughs> we live in, and uh, I, 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 you know, you and and having come from the men's side, you see cycles go through the men's game, and 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 you see some similar cycles come through the women's game, and so I, I don't know what the future holds. That uh, you could possibly see more of that. That would not completely astound me with what I just in the time I've been in women's basketball to see the evolution. Uh, of, of athletic, uh, comp- uh, in combination with talent, with, with skill, and where the game is going with younger players. So this, this may be something that, that may be new to us now, but may not be in the future. You know, then in the other game, you know, I, my heart feels for Corey Close, who, uh, is one of the nicest people and best coaches around, just a tremendous person, great for the game, and has ended up in Bridgeport twice in a couple of years to come in, in the NCAA tournament. I'm fine playing UConn, but just to have to come – I live in this state. I don't want to go to Bridgeport twice in a couple of years. And yet here she is getting ready with it, with her talented team, with one of the best point guards in America in Jordan, Canada, and a tremendous post in Monique Billings <laughs> You know, a, a, another quality Pac-12 team, but they get to go against Geno's crew. And, uh, you know, Katie, w- is there a way for UCLA to possibly stop UConn in this game? I, I, I probably – I think not. I mean, I don't really – I think they hang for – I don't really know. It's hard to say, but I don't I don't think they have enough to, to keep up with um, UConn. You know, the way they play, the way they move the ball, the way they play defensively, the way they push, the way they shoot. Um, they just are, you know, they have it from all areas. So, no, I, I just personally don't think they have enough. I think Canada is going to have to, I mean, be play out of her mind. Monique um, Billings would have to be just going bananas to carry their team. I don't think they have enough weapons to um, compete. Yeah, one matchup that could be fun to watch, though, Shimmy, is uh... – you know, Billings is so athletic, and, of course, Gabby Williams is probably the most athletic player in the country. Uh, but Billings is maybe, like, the only person that could almost match her in terms of athleticism. So so that could be a lot of fun to watch the two of them go head-to-head. Yeah, it, it's 
like if Gabby Williams is the most athletic player in the country, then Monique Billings is like, um, you know, 1A. She's right. She's right there. Um, that kid's a leaper, and she's a great shot blocker, and she runs the floor as well as anyone in the country. Um, but I, I do. it'll be fun to watch that individual matchup, but I don't think it's going to be fun necessarily uh, for Corey and UCLA uh, in that game. I agree with Katie. I just don't see there, of any way that UCLA can beat Connecticut in Bridgeport. And I, and, and I want you to put on your WNBA GM hat on again for a, while, for a minute. And you got your number one pick, and I'm telling you that you can have either Kia Nurse, Gabby Williams, Katie Lou Samuelson, and Nafisa Collier as your first pick. Who are you going to take? You're talking about right now, or when? When right? No, right now. We'll be drafted. Out of that group, you're gonna you got to choose your poison. Which one? Which one you want to take? Well, who do you want on your team out of that group? Wow, that's a that's a really <laughs> that's a. Did you, did you put Katie Lou in that? Yes, I did. All four of them. Yeah, I, Katie Lou is the most intriguing to me um, when you talk about all of them, uh, and you're talking about development in in two years. But you, you know, that's the type of decisions as a GM I'd like to have. <laughs> the choice between those four, and I have a hard time screwing that one up. You know. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm a big fan of Katie's potential eventually. So uh, that that's that's as a GM looking forward. You know, Katie, you were in the in the arena when she hit ten for ten on the three pointers, and I got to say, she's got that form that right over the top shot that reminds me of yours. Well, maybe a lot better, but she's but she's also got she's six three out here just. I don't think anybody's in her line of sight at all, you know, and she doesn't need any but anything but an inch to get it off. So I just think she's and she's adding a little off the dribble and she just being able to shoot the basketball opens up so much more for players and I just think she's her size, the way she shoots it, the quickness that she gets her feet set and gets it off, you know, is just impressive and she's just you know, she's got two more years, which is just the way she's gonna grow and continue to become a a complete and just a better basketball player is just going to be nuts. You know, everybody knows that Gino is, a, you know, a legendary coach, but, you know, and I've seen him here for, of course, a number of years that I've been covering them, but this was, to me, the best season, the, the best coaching job I've ever seen him do. And you just think, you know, you, that it can't get any better than what he's done with the others. But, you know, you sit there as an assistant coach and you see what he does and what his assistants do. What do you see when you look at that coaching staff and you try and, you know, take something from it, try and glean something from what they do? It's just greatness. I'm not sure that you can really describe. I think earlier Dan talked about how well um, Connecticut, how their players are so in sync and um, they're so together and so connected. Well, the coaching staff is, is very much the same way. And it's when you watch them. And it's really, it's sure sort of amazing to watch the job that they've been able to do this year. Let's go all the way back to the first game of the year when they almost lost um, and very well probably should have lost to Florida State. And we all were saying, okay, you know, this is going to be the year where they come back down to earth. Uh, look how, you know, and here they are. Let's fast forward 30 games later, and they're still undefeated and with the schedule that they've had. 
they're still undefeated with the schedule that they've had. And it's just amazing to me when you consider how much they lost going into this year. Um, I don't know. It's pretty amazing. But before we go on, I have a question for Katie. Have you ever gone 10 of 10 from, from three-point in a game? High school or college? <laughs> no, I don't. No, I barely shot that many, but no, I've not never been that. <laughs> uh, uh, oh. Yeah, that's what I say. She's barely like, shot that many. Yeah. <laughs> well, the ten. Because Katie it seemed like it's trying to guard her. Sometimes Katie could stroke it. <laughs> yeah, but it, she's definitely like it, uh, smoother than me at this three ball. <laughs> I mean, come on, you, you, you were what Debbie Antonelli would say, you know, an icy arm special game. Maybe. Yeah, I mean, I, but, hey, I'm no Mitchell either. Yeah, my, my numbers, if you look at those numbers, <laughs> I'm about half about shot, shot attempts. <laughs> I, I think the hey, Mitchell family it. Has it was a, a good round. The, the Mitchell family has a freezer shaped like her arm for her to just put it in after the game. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Well, if Dino has done the best job in the country, then going across to Stockton, probably the guy that I think has done the second-best job this year would be Scott Rulich at Oregon State because that is a team that I don't think anybody expected to be as good as they are with the people that they lost. And, you know, Sidney Weiss is one of my favorite players in the country. And, you know, Oregon State, they're, they're, here they are again, but they, uh, they're going to have a real hit their hands full with Florida State. So, uh, you know, Shimmy, talk to me about Florida State and Oregon State and what you anticipate uh, seeing in this one. Um, Florida State's my surprise team. I actually picked Florida State to go to the Final Four. Um, I've gotten a chance to watch them up close and personal. We played them earlier this year. And uh, they, they're they really balanced. They're extremely balanced. They've got good bigs. They've got a great um, high-volume scorer. They've got a good point guard. Um, you know, they've got depth, they they can score points, they defend. I really like Florida State a lot, actually. You know, you're not alone. I also picked them to go to the, to the Final Four. Uh, Dan, Michelle Volpe last week when we were talking about Florida State said that they may be the best program in the country to never make the Final Four. Uh, the, the sustained success that they've had, and, you know, they seem like, they're a program that always always is right there. Now, uh, is this, in your opinion, is this the year that Florida State can get over the top again? Can they beat Oregon State, especially out west? Oh, I think absolutely they they've got a shot, um, and I think they have a, a an opportunity because you're just dealing with uh, a South Carolina team that's had to take a hit or two when you're talking about the totality of the region. Uh, and I think on a given night, Florida State, based on those four teams, can find two victories to get out of it. Now, it, but it's close enough, they also could lose. They, they, they could lose to Oregon State. They could lose in the finals. So they're – and that's the issue, I think, with them is they, they've been good a long time. They've been good. But they're, they're the type of good that they're never probably the perimitive – favorite they're kind of in the realm and and sometimes things got to fall into place you know but they certainly have an opportunity to come out of this region because i'm sitting here trying to think okay who's going to come out and to me florida states when i think of two teams florida state's one of the two teams that's going to come out you know katie 
Now, Sid Weiss is one of the players that when the game's on the line, you can go to her. And I look at Florida State, and as good as Shaq Thomas is and as good as Romero is, you know, if I had to have one player in that game to to make the shots for me down the stretch, I would say that it would be Weiss. I'd give you that. In that matchup, I could I could live with that one. Um, you know, she struggled a little bit, um, you know, in these first, second round games. But, you know, I think she's a gamer. I think she's has a lot of confidence in herself. But um, in that matchup, I'd definitely think uh, we've taken a, a game winner. I think she would, you know, shoot like she would shoot any other shot, not being tense. You know, I, that's part of what bothers me about Florida State is as good as that team is, I, I don't know – you know, it was Brown that took the shot against UConn to win it. I mean, they have a bunch of talented players, but I don't know if they have that one person that, you know, they don't have an Asia Wilson, a Sydney Weiss. You know, UConn's got four of them, uh, five of them if you count John making the shots against Maryland. So I, I wonder about that and whether that will come and get Florida State somewhere down the line. But especially when they play Quinnipiac, because we know the Quinnipiac's going to take out South Carolina in the next round. Because it's Connecticut, and we have to win at everything. Uh, <laughs> Timmy, you, you, you said you saw that. Now, let me. I'm going to throw one thing out to all of you. Maryland played during the regular season six teams that made it into this tournament. I don't think anybody realizes Quinnipiac played five. So this team is not somebody that is afraid of big scheduling, and they certainly – Making 15 three-pointers will make a bit of a difference for your team. But Quinnipiac, uh, like you, you started to say it earlier, why don't you expound on that a little bit about how this team was ready for Miami? Like I said, I was there in Coral Gables, and I and I watched them versus Marquette. I think Marquette was probably uh, um, not a five-seed, or I think they were a five-seed, and I, I think they were probably overseeded. Um, but they're they're just so confident tough and poised and they shot the ball really well uncharacteristically well against Marquette in the first half and they started to come back down to earth a little bit but even when Marquette made their big run when they were down 16 Quinnipiac just would not fold I mean these kids are they're just tough uh, Marcucci you know she was unshakable uh Faye I really like the kid the, the sophomore just a tough kid who got into the paint anytime she wanted against Marquette and I, I watched Miami play, and I think Miami's very athletic and they're explosive, and I, and I like the guards, the guards that they have. But I, I knew that Quinnipiac um, would not be intimidated by Miami, and I don't think they're going to be intimidated one bit by South Carolina either. You know, you look at in hindsight, people were commenting at the beginning that you know, how did Miami end up getting seated where they were in Syracuse? seated where they were, and I think this really could have made it swap the two of them, and it might have made a difference because Syracuse, uh, you know, uh, they they couldn't do anything against UConn in a game like that, but they, they played well, and they're a good team, and uh, they deserve better than that. But, you know, South Carolina, damn, they, they're playing without coats, but it looks like Alicia Gray, at least according to what Dawn is saying now, is going to be able to play that it wasn't a knee, that it's more of a, a hamstring Charlie horse type situation. So so that has to give them a lot of relief. But uh, 
you know, they've become a bit of a guard-oriented team all of a sudden with with Davis and Gray playing the four. So uh, this could be a different game than it w- you would think with the size difference between of them, between the two teams. South Carolina may be playing a little bit more guard-oriented too against uh, Quinnipiac. Is that a recipe for success here, or do they really need to get the ball to Asia Wilson inside again and again and again? Uh, I I favor getting the ball to Asia. Uh, I think Wilson is a difference maker in this region to me. And uh, I think, you know, uh, I like Gray, and I think it is really a positive if she's in the basketball game. I, I enjoy watching what she does to them, but at the end of the day, the best player in this region to me is Wilson. And if Wilson is featured, it could be the reason why South Carolina comes out because I just um, – I'm, I'm a big fan of Wilson. I've watched her continue to grow. And, and to me, a lot of times in these type of close scenarios, the team with the best player advances. And to me, she's the best player. Well, Katie, we talked about Kelsey Mitchell and the ability to be a game changer by either making or missing all of her shots. And, you know, Kayla Davis is a similar type of player, maybe not to the to the volume and importance to their team that Mitchell is, but Davis is one that will either shoot you in or out of a game, too. And, uh, you know, I, I look at her as a possible difference maker in this, too, especially uh, against Quinnipiac if they do try and get into a uh, little bit of a running situation. Yeah, and she's got to be smart with her shot selection. You know, she's has range and can shoot it from deep. So, you know, sometimes you fall in love with that. It becomes a little too easy. But if she hits a shot or two from the three, you know, puts it on the floor. But if she hits shots, it's just going to open the floor more for Wilson. And that's where your guards have to understand, yeah, let me – I might hit a shot. Let Asia may get doubled. She's going to throw it out. Let me knock one down. Then the defense starts creeping out and opens up more space for Asia Wilson to go to work. And then that's when you go heavy dose with her. So it's just being smart with your decision-making of when and when not to and also to make sure that Wilson is getting enough touches. But part of Wilson's success will be the guards being able to knock down a few just to keep the defense uh, honest. I think that Wilson uh, definitely – I agree with the statements that Dan made about being the best player in the region and – you know, she goes into that conversation and we talk about who you're going to go to when the game's on the line. You've got to have that one player, you know, and she's it. So, well, let's, let's to put to put a cap on this. Uh, you know, Katie, why don't you give me four teams that you think are going to come out of this uh, this week, this weekend's games, and uh, you know, Monday and Tuesday as well, and maybe somebody or something that you should, that you think people should look for. All right. Uh, let's see. I'm going to start easy. I'm going to go UConn. Um, uh, the, the the Ohio State, Notre Dame, Texas, Stanford one is a little tricky for me. Uh, I really think they're all pretty evenly matched, um, even with even with Turner down. So I think I'll I think I'm going to lean. I may think Ohio State. I'm going to I'm going to see. I'm going to put them out there. Um, I'm going to stick with South Carolina if uh, they can get out. And then um, who's my last one would be? Washington. Washington. I actually think think Mississippi. I think Mississippi State is going to get out of there. So those are my picks. Wow. Nice. Dan, what do you think? Well, um, I agree with 
Katie and Yukon. Um, the 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 Lexington region is tough for me, and because I would have taken Notre Dame, but with Turner out, I'm gonna take a dark horse and say Texas comes out. Uh, in the Stockton region, um, I see South Carolina in a close game, playing through Wilson and getting to the Final Four. And then I think Baylor gets in there. I just, you know, sometimes I think, you know, it's in Dallas. You're going to have two Texas teams. It wouldn't surprise me if fate just kind of brought them all together in the Final Four. Interesting. And Jimmy? All right, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Connecticut South. Um, wow. And I'm going to go with <laughs> – uh, out of the Stockton region, I've, I've got Florida State. Um, I just, I just really like this team. Um, I just think they're a complete team, and I like the way they're playing right now. Um, the Lexington region, I'm going to go with Stanford. Um, but it, this is going to be a, a cap off a great, what's been a great year for Tara, a great coaching job that she's done. And then I'm going to go with Baylor in the Oklahoma region. Very good. I. Think that I and, and just so I can say mine, so that nobody can give me a hard time. I'm also going to go with Connecticut. I'm going to. I pick Notre Dame to actually win the championship, so I'm going to stick with Notre Dame coming out of that region. But I'm not not feeling real confident about it at all. Florida State also, and then I'm going to also have to say, I'm going to say Baylor, but I wouldn't be surprised if anybody was going to knock them off over people. So I wouldn't be surprised if they lost this game. So. Well, I want to thank all three of you for taking the time. I know that uh, these take a while to do, but, you know, we really do appreciate it, and the listeners really enjoy hearing all of your expertise and all of your comments. So thank you again for taking the time to be with us today, and I I hope that you all enjoy the games, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to each of you again soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you, David. Thanks. Have a great night.